0: Two dozen red roses and a contingent of Washington correspondents and photographers awaited the new Republican Congresswoman from Fairfield County, Connecticut, at Union Station on Monday, January 4, 1943. Claire Booth Luce was by far the smartest, most famous, and most glamorous member of the House of Representatives, the last quality not much evident elsewhere in the wartime capital. When the cars of her express emptied onto the windy platform, 22 minutes late, a United Press man noted perplexedly, Mrs. Luce wasn't on it. Had Claire been coming only from New York, she might have chosen to take the next commuter special, but she was booked on the last leg of a journey from Los Angeles, where she had just finished a screenplay for 20th Century Fox. Aware that the 39-year-old congresswoman had written four Broadway comedies, three of them hits and made into movies, the UP reporter suspected she might have pulled off an old theatrical trick, the incognito step from the wings, melting into the crowd in nondescript clothing. Also, as the wife of the publisher of Time, Life, and Fortune, Claire was media-savvy enough to know that the best way to attract press attention was to elude it. On a hunch, he called the swank Wardman Park Hotel and asked to speak to Mrs. Henry Luce. A secretary answered and professed not to know where her employer was. Sure now that Claire had concealed her arrival, he complained that he and his colleagues were being given the brush-off. There followed a click as the secretary hung up. Next morning, the elusive representative called a press conference in her new quarters— Suite 1631 on the sixth floor of the New House Office Building. Attendees were baffled as to how a freshman member of Congress had acquired such a coveted space, with its two entrances, ample reception hall, large office with private bathroom, and second office for three or more assistants with enclosed lavabo. Freshman or not, Claire knew how to operate on Capitol Hill. She was the stepdaughter of the late Representative Dr. Albert Elmer Austin and had just won back the seat he had lost in 1940. She had often visited him in his cramped quarters in the old Cannon Building and realized that they would not satisfy her fastidious standards. Throughout her life, she had aimed for the best of everything and usually gotten it. Hearing shortly after her election that a few suites were available, she had sent an aide to stand in line for this one, and beaten out seventy or so other applicants. She arrived ten minutes late, another coup de théâtre, and faced a battery of flashbulbs and newsreel Klieg lights. Her appearance touched off pandemonium. Photographers stood on tables and unpacked storage boxes, yelling for her attention, "'Just one more shot, please!' Female reporters seemed more irritated by Claire's tardiness than their male colleagues, as well as envious of her stylish beauty. Cool, slender, and immaculately groomed for her debut, she wore a red wool crepe dress with deep pockets and daisy-patterned golden-diamond earrings. Black velvet bows nestled in her blonde hair, upswept and softly waved above the brow her extraordinary translucent skin and blue eyes shimmering with intelligence invariably captivated men, as did her outsized personality and charm. Much of her seductiveness and success as a playwright came from her wit. The difference between an optimist and a pessimist, she would drawl, in cultivated tones harking back to private school, is that the pessimist is usually better informed." She began by apologizing for having sneaked away from Union Station the day before. Claiming to have been four days without a change of clothes, she said that she had exited the last car and rushed to her hotel to freshen up for an evening appointment. In any case, she had assumed reporters on the platform were waiting for some labor officials on the same train. Even the most hardened Washington pressmen were beguiled, One was overheard saying that there was no labor leader living who would interest him if Mrs. Luce were around. A barrage of questions followed. What were her views on taxation, women's rights, the war, and the GOP's election chances next year? "'I hope to do what I can,' Claire said. "'It might be little or nothing or much.' Not wanting to sound flip, she added that voters in her district were interested in precisely the same things as other people, gasoline rationing among them. Some issues she was not yet up on, but she had been an advocate of women's rights for some 25 years now and vowed to continue fighting for them. As for her party, the GOP, its priorities must be to defeat President Franklin Roosevelt in 1944 and to win the war.